Ladies and gentlemen, today is the special day. We have the guest of all guests, the one, the only, K-Dog. <laughs> K-Dog is in the building. He's blessed with his presence. Oh, I am excited. The first. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram at d.slate underscore one. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your content from. Come check out your boy. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your Sunday. As I stated in the intro, we have a very special and distinguished guest, none other than my brother from another mother. Known as dude since I was a child. I think like second grade, actually. Yeah, I think this yeah, since second grade I've known I've known uh K Dog. K Dog Kier. Kier is one of the homies we reference religiously. Like before I die, there's gonna be a book of Kier that I write and I publish with all of Kier's quotes and sayings. But Kier, introduce yourself to the people, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, Kier Green, you know, known Darius since like second grade, go way back, like. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's far. Way back. Way back. Way back, way We have like back. uniforms and. Yeah. Held a wild time. The Harambe Community School days. Yes, sir. The uh, Olive Green. Pants, the white, yellow, or green shirt, the brown belt. Yeah. Are they open again? Did they reopen? I don't know if they reopen, actually. I know, like, their gym is used quite often from, like, uh, members in the community, but I'm not sure if the school actually reopened. Now it's such a good school, too. Like, early on, it was a good school before the uh, corruption from the administration. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, it was. You know, it was a great school. Great school. Taught you a lot about you know, value as a human being and value as a black person. You're in a pledge, we have to say. Yep, we have to sing the uh, black um, mm-hmm. national anthem every morning. Mm-hmm. Good times. Actually, like, when I heard that people didn't know what that was, mm-hmm. it's like it was kind of surprising. Like, mm-hmm. like, every morning growing up. So, and I was from like, I was there from K3 to about second grade, then came back in fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. But like, knowing that people didn't have that experience and didn't have the experience of like, knowing who like, black leaders were in our community mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. we learned that from being three or four years old. And you realize how much of a blessing that is. Yeah. Like you recognize, like you ha- you can identify blackness and you recognize that your black identity is going to be super salient, like salient for you going forward. And like to have that, especially before you even like fully develop and you realize that, like looking back at it as an adult, it's almost one of those situations like, okay, you can understand the intentionality in terms of why your parents sent you to that type of school. I definitely agree. I would say, like, having that foundation and building up off of that um, over time uh, as you go through the education system as a whole, just looking at the contrast between the information you learn there and what mm-hmm. you learn in other schools, mm-hmm. like, people don't get that information. Mm-hmm. You're coming out of, like, elementary school at, like, 18, and, like, you haven't really been taught your history. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're just learning this now versus you learning this from, you know, the initial beginning, so good experience. Yeah, Harambe Community School was uh, it was lit. It was lit, you know, early on, and then like the last couple of years, it got kind of wild, you know. I remember, I still remember the teachers went on strike. 
Oh, you there with the uh, Spanish teacher who ran out the school that one year? I think so. I think so. That was an experience. Everything at Harambe is an experience, but, you know, that could be its own show in itself. Yes, it could. But a lot of people, it's always super funny because it reminds me, like, when people, for some reason, everywhere I go, when I lived in Texas, when I interned in Georgia, and people would ask me where I'm from, and I would say, oh, I'm from Milwaukee, and where's Milwaukee? It's in Wisconsin. And then the next thing they say is, I didn't know there was black people in Wisconsin. Have you heard that multiple times? I've heard that at least five times everywhere I've been mm -hmm. outside of Wisconsin. A lot of people don't know there are black people in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and they're surprised. And if you go there, you're going to be even more surprised, because you'd be surprised how many black people are there. Mm -hmm. um, that's a common just statement that you hear growing up in Wisconsin and going to other places. I always frame it, Milwaukee is, Milwaukee is in Wisconsin, but I grew up in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee is completely different. Yep. 100% different. I would say, uh, so like, we're both from Wisconsin, uh, grew up in Milwaukee as well, but I lived in Madison, which is the other big city in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. It's night and day in comparison, entirely mm -hmm. different cities, entirely mm -hmm. different infrastructure, entirely different just ways of life. Mm -hmm. um, you have to know, you have to have the experience to understand that. Yeah, you gotta operate, it's almost a... Uh, different worlds. Cultural. Cultural different worlds. Extremely different cultural uh, backgrounds. Yeah. But the thing that trips me out is when folks are like, oh, there's black there's black people in Milwaukee, there's black people in Wisconsin. And I'm like, bro, I grew up not around nothing but black people. I think, wasn't like 60 or 70% of people in Milwaukee are black? Yeah, it was at that point in time. Uh, I mean, my, like our school was, you know, probably 80 to 90% black. Uh, I mean, I went to a couple like regular um, elementary schools at one time as well. Oh, Harambe was 100% black. Like, were there any? No, no. The only people who were white at Harambe were some of the teachers. Okay. That's it. In terms from the student body, there was, I can't recall ever seeing a white student. There may have been a few um, Hispanic students. Yeah. But there were never any white students. So, like, Harambe Community School was like 99% black. Yeah. I would say that's a. It's pros and cons of that, but yeah, it definitely is a good experience just getting your, um, knowing your history. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of shown through just that education system as a whole. Mm -hmm. I mean, MPS is kind of the same way based on where you go. Um, I didn't go to MPS, I actually went to private school. Uh, I was in choice program, so I went to Mesmer. Mm -hmm. um, still the same situation where it was, I'd say about 60% black. Uh, it's really good school. 30, 40%, it was. Not, it's not King, but not King. King. I'm joking. It's, it's, it's the best school in the state. Like, you can't compare Mesmer's that. a really good school. It was a good, it was a good school. Yeah. Same thing, administration mm -hmm. kind of fell off. But uh, I'd say it's about 60% 60, 60 black, about 30, 40%, uh, let's say 30% Hispanic, and mm -hmm. then a little bit of everything else in between. Um, same thing where school was great, um, really good curriculum, kind of kept you on the ball, um, kept you focused on school. Stuff happened to administration, things, things changed. And after that, things just kind of fell apart to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it's nowhere near the same as it used to be, but it's a lot, anywhere. Yeah, a lot of schools, you know, often too, you know, sometimes the passion, teaching is such a hard profession and it's undervalued. The teachers are um, underpaid. The schools are underfunded. So I think it's a whole combination of different things from that standpoint. However, we're gonna transition the talking point. Okay. So one thing about here and I want you all to know that this is not a structured podcast or conversation when it comes to this man 
because there there is no such thing as structure when it comes to the homie Kier. And I've told this to Kier multiple times in his face, and I mean this with all due respect. Kier is the smartest person and the dumbest person I have ever met all equally at the same time. And I agree with that 100%. I would say um, I embody that statement. <laughs> like, not even a question. It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense. Be, there are situations where it's like, what the hell just happened? Make sure, okay, when we explain some of these situations, let's not implicate yourself. Okay, I can't implicate myself. I don't want you to lose your job. So, yeah. I would just say summarize, but don't be as detailed because, you know, I don't want you to offend anybody you rock with in the past. I don't want somebody to go in and check out this podcast and find out that, you know, you're on some wild-ish. I mean, I agree. I agree. I don't think there's anything that insane, but I okay. will say that if you know me personally, we all know I really... I'm not the kind of person that like centers myself, so it's like <laughs> I'm using I'm like using the nicest version of the words I could say right now. Mm-hmm. But um, if you know me personally, you know what? In all honesty, just be your authentic self. Be your authentic self. Be your authentic self. Say what you want to say and how you want to say it. I would say that we all know I kind of just like openly express myself with whatever topic is to 100. percent I don't really. I'm not the kind of person that tiptoes around things. I don't sugarcoat shit. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of very blunt. Mm-hmm. Now sometimes it's a little carry away. That happens once in a while. Um, that actually goes into what I wanted to like talk about, I guess, which is the uh, check yourself or correct yourself thing mm-hmm. that we talked about the other mm-hmm. day. Um, I have to learn to check myself. I think I had to really sit and uh, reevaluate just like I guess my well-being as a person and who mm-hmm. I wanted to be. And we all have to have to have that inner monologue of just always knowing to check yourself and never stepping so far out of line that like you lose your identity to an extent. I would say the best person I could use an example of that, I don't want a Kanye West situation for myself. Okay, here we go. Right. Go ahead, go <laughs> ahead, go ahead. No, these things, we're already here. We're already here. I don't want a Kanye West situation for myself where it's like, what is this man gonna say today? Like, I don't want that situation. Um, so it's like keeping yourself in a certain realm of like knowing who you are, whose you are, and always being, uh, 100% authentic with just the way, the things you do, who you are, the person, the way you act, the way you treat other people. So, so question, how did you get to that point uh, of I, self-reflection? Honestly, I'd say rock bottom does that to people. But okay. not in a way that rock bottom, um, you would consider like, oh, I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, I sat like, uh, like dead end, like I have nothing else, no options. More so like, I was put in a situation where, uh, kind of having like a mini accident, just mm-hmm. end up in the hospital. Um, broken ankle, a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of time to reflect, just laying in bed every day while recovering. Mm-hmm. And like so many things had happened um, over the course of just leading up to that situation and just like life events and things of that nature, where I really sat and thought like, how did I get to this point? This could have ended way worse. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And what can I do to be a better person? And it was just a lot of self-reflection and nothing else to do but self-reflect. Because, I mean, I didn't have anything else to do but let him recover for yeah. months. Because after that accident, if you don't mind me sharing what happened, yeah. you know, he was uh, longboarding and he got hit by a car. And you fractured your wrist and you broke your ankle, correct? Broke my ankle, dislocated my ankle, and fractured my tibia and fibula. And the recovery time for that, about six months, still recovering right mm-hmm. now. Um, but with all of that, like the time that I had just to myself to really sit and like really be introspective to just myself, um, 
a lot of great ideas came from mm. that. And it kind of, it wasn't like a, oh shit, like a new person type thing. Yeah. It was like, how can you be a better person? How can you grow? Gotcha. What do you need to do to grow? And the first thought was, check yourself. So, so holding yourself accountable. And I still remember when that happened. Not to say, it wasn't funny at all in a sense. The thing that was funny about that situation because it was like almost like a month after I got the Apple Watch yeah. and you challenged me to one of those fitness like competitions yeah. and I noticed I'm like, this thing hasn't moved in a couple of days. <laughs> what happened to this man? Yeah, I'm like, bro, how you gonna challenge me but you, you're you not doing anything, you're not burning any calories and then, you know, we had a conversation and I'm like, oh wow. So one, I was thankful that you were alive obviously but it sounds like during that time, while you were still in recovery, recovery, you got to realize and recognize how, pra- how precious life is and how fragile it is at the same time. I would say, yeah, you definitely do. Um, you take a lot of things for granted. Um, the ability to walk, you take that for granted. Mm-hmm. That's with you. There's a process to you taking a footstep. You don't understand it, so you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, from that, uh, kind of applied that knowledge, kind of that mentality into everything. I was like, how many, what's the, um, How much does it take to take a footstep? I mm-hmm. think I'm gonna relate this into a Kendrick Lamar lyric, which is how much does a dollar cost? Mm-hmm. Kind of goes into that same mentality. Gotcha. Um, so I kind of just sat and applied that to myself. Uh, I would say going back into uh, what you said before, um, I think it also ties into like what I want to say as far as like the ice cube, check yourself, direct yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we do that anymore. I think social media is kind of creating um, this mentality of I can say or do whatever I want and I have to worry about the repercussions. You say what you want, you can do what you want, and then also with social media, the information that you normally consume, obviously the data gets tracked, so it almost reinforces your likes and your ideas, and you can be in your own bubble, you can be confined within your own space, and your thoughts and your ideals don't have to be challenged because you're being reinforced with a group of individuals who have those same thought processes. So if someone disagrees with you, that ability to have a conversation, like an authentic conversation, you don't have to partake in that. So folks are growing as far apart and we are just becoming more and more and more divisive as a people. It's almost like that that social dilemma, you know, documentary on Netflix. I encourage everybody to watch that and check that out. It explains it a lot and it goes into detail about that um, intently. I would say it's like a polarization to an extent of just like if you don't agree with me, you're you're, you're like against me entirely. Mm-hmm. It's like no, there's always middle ground to um, everything that you do, everything that you say, who you are. But like we're getting to a point where it's like if you don't agree with me, it's like an attack, and I think that's wrong because you get into situations where it's like this could have been easily remediated. It's a conversation, like, civil discourse, man. Like how how did we get to this point? Like how did you let this get to this point where like this situation occurred? Uh, I don't I don't want to use this as an example. I don't think that like it I want to say the Chadwick Boseman thing mm-hmm. the uh, Five Bloods I didn't, I didn't see the movie yet yeah the, it's, it's more like he was really skinny in the movie yeah and then uh, social media just lit him on fire for more of the movie. Mm-hmm. and then like it turns out that he was like struggling with uh, cancer and then he passed and then it's like okay so like there was no accountability there for just like what this person is actually going through yeah um, and what? it's like even afterwards it's like does anybody go to like anyone and say like, sorry for doing this? Like, sorry for yeah. yeah. It's like you know, but also I think sometimes to an extent, not trying to justify what people did, 
you know, sometimes actors go through these dramatic transformations with their bodies, so they could have thought, like, okay, maybe he's auditioning or he's doing this for a specific role. You know, you know how social media is. They love you and they hate you. Yeah. Especially, like, Bleacher Report. Giannis has a great game. That's the next game. Like, is this your MVP? This is not a real But, you know, but I think, so sometime like that, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. It's wrong, but also social media pretty much... It, 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 it makes the, it makes humanity invisible it makes, it's or like non-existent. A, it's an enigma, but it's like, it turns into something where it's like, is this, how do we navigate this? It's addicting and you become consumed by it. Yeah. It's like, just the idea of, um, how can I say it? It's not necessarily roast culture, because roast culture is actually kind of decent in my opinion. It's like, where's that accountability? It's a group thing on both ends. Yeah. You know? Uh, if you, Twitter, for example, is one of those places where you can have a, uh, if you want to have a friendly, light conversation and discussion from time to time, that's cool, but it's almost become a place where people are vultures, yeah. and they're just attacking people like hyenas based on a subjective argument, or an argument that's extremely oversimplified. I agree. And some of those concepts are extremely misconstrued, and if a person has a deferring opinion, thousands, millions, no, millions of people can see that and you can almost gauge that thought process and folks are constantly being attacked. It's like, it's like mob mentality. It definitely is mob mentality. Like cyberbullying on steroids to an extent. And it's not a, there's still no accountability for it because it is mm -hmm. cyberbullying, uh, cyberbullying to an extent, mm -hmm. but it's like something happens and like everybody jumps on this situation or this person or this thing and then <clears throat> there's no repercussion for it. No, one of those, well, the, one of the repercussions is that's why we probably have one of the most um, saddest and, you know, depressed group of people, groups of people in this day and age. The folks are extremely suicidal. Folks are extremely insecure. It's crazy because we have the opportunity and the technology to be as interconnected as possible, but we still feel alone. Yeah. I honestly don't have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a very good summarization of where we are. Uh, what can we do to like make that better? I'm not sure, but it's definitely a problem that needs to actually just be addressed. I think social media, it's like the addiction to social media, it's like a false, it's a false reality. It's a false, you, you have the opportunity to create yourself. You can put all these filters on your face. You can create your ideal person, your ideal self-image in a virtual space and in a virtual community. That's all fine, that's great, but you have to look at yourself every day. Yeah. And you have to be who you are. Like you still have to live and you still have to exist. And a lot of time people devalue human interaction and they devalue human or in person or interpersonal, you know, relationships and they they utilize their virtual and their online platform and their online communities as spaces to engage, which I still think are great spaces, but within, you know, moderation, but that shouldn't be, you know, the bane of your existence and for a lot of people. They're not, they don't have that ability to kind of like separate those two concepts. I would say uh, it goes into like kind of catfish mentality where it's like, here's the person I show to the world online, mm -hmm. and here's who I am in person. They might not be the same thing. How do you get to that point? Like, I have no clue how you get to that point. I've been, I've been uh, a victim of that circumstance. Oh, many times. Not, not, <laughs> not many times. Not many times. That's why, you know, on Instagram, obviously you're going to showcase, you know, the best version of yourself the best angle of yourself. You know, you're gonna put a filter on your face, whatever you need to do to, you know, cleanse yourself up. I respect it, it makes you feel better about yourself and I get that. 
So on that end, you know, you, how can you tell somebody not to do something that makes them feel good about themselves? I agree, but it's like, what makes you feel good about, what do you value as a person then? Like, how do you, it's like, do you, internet is not a place that's going to, you know, think in the, what's best for you. Like, people on the internet don't really care about you as a person. So it's really just a um, surface level mm-hmm. uh, high to an extent of just like this person acknowledged me uh, or this person gave me a like or, you know. Uh, it's immediate gratification. It, it is to an extent. You feel good instantly. Yeah. And at what level do you kind of state like, hey, is this real mm-hmm. or not? I don't know. And it's like, and after a while, you stop caring if it's real or not. Yeah. Because you get so used to like that immediate gratification and people you know, showing you love, but you're never dealing with like the long-term situation or issue of what it means to, you know, for you to love yourself or for you to value yourself. To be honest, I don't have a lot of photos of myself on social media. I actually do not like posting photos of myself on social media. Mm-hmm. I think even my profile pictures are years old. Probably. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> so, I mean, I might be catfishing people, who knows? I try to do better than what's in my profile Oh, picture. please don't be catfishing, hey, dog. We don't <laughs> I, need that. We do say, not need um, that catfishing. But at the same time, it's like it's not something I hold myself like um, something I value as a person. Yeah. Like I'm always going to give you the best version of me, or I'm going to try to. I think, yeah. yeah, and then also too, it, it it depends on what people use their social media for. You know, some folks just use it for like, interge- like engagement with family, friends, joking around. Some people use it as a business. You know, you can monetize your social media okay. and you can make a ton of money. A lot of folks are you know becoming millionaires because of social media. So. I recognize, you know, it's pros and cons to everything, but I think for the most common everyday person, I think having an understanding to be sure to do everything in moderation and to kind of have like a realistic concept or reason in terms of why you're doing it. Like I only have like two pictures posted on my social media and normally I just kind of use my story a lot because I feel like my story is a more authentic representation of who I am currently. So, you know, I'm going to joke around, post a game, post a podcast. I'm not sure if that's like good for long-term growth of the podcast. If I want to grow it, you know, to a larger audience, but for from where I am right now and what I want to do, I think I use this platform as an outlet to kind of have conversations and dialogue with groups of people and for folks who want to listen in and tune in. Now, if I get to a point where I want to constantly continue to do that and let it grow, then I'll you know start using it as like a market employee. But that's just me, and I have the understanding. Some folks may be in a different place. I think being authentic with people um, should actually be something that is valued, and I think it is. I think we don't talk about it, but it is actually valued more to be authentic with people. They may not acknowledge it outwardly, mm-hmm. but it's something that is always there. It's like being that reliable person that you can always be like counted on for, uh, even when like no matter what. That whole like I haven't seen you for years. Mm-hmm. Meet up five years later. It's like we never. Same left. thing. You just like you picking up where you left off. Yeah. You want? I think that. Um, it's still there, but I think the uh, idea of just immediate gratification and all that is kind of covering it up to an extent. I think it's there in pockets. Not not everybody can be that. Yeah. I know. I mean, I think I think we're fortunate. Like a lot of our groups of friends, we've known since like elementary school, yeah. and a lot of our friends from college, we've been you know we've we're still tight. Like those relationships, at this point, we're like more family than friends. Yeah. A lot, like, we're, we're very fortunate, and so I want to acknowledge that sometimes yeah. people are not able to build those types of relationships, and, like, things change, and I think that 
like you said, I think with being authentic, you have to, you have to one know who you are, and also recognize that you're flawed, recognize that you're that you're not perfect, and I think you have to give yourself some grace, and you have to understand and recognize your truth, and not everybody is at that same space. Yeah, it takes it takes a while to get to that space. In all honesty, it takes a while to get to that space. It's like a constant work in pro progress. It's fluid. It's extremely fluid. Yeah. I would say, uh, if you never ever need to, like, it's that space, you know, just go longboard the street. No? In traffic? You know? I mean, well, mm, no. no, it's not that serious. Don't do that dumb don't shit. <laughs> like, but at the same time, put yourself in that situation. situation. But at the same time, going on that level, it's like, you really need to um, find time to know yourself. Like, take the time out of your day. Um, and really just sit and think about like who you are, what you value, um, and honestly, just really get in touch with like what makes you tick to an extent. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, well, kudos to you. I think that's a testament to you recognizing and, util and utilizing that time as an opportunity to improve yourself. Yeah. Because you could have wallowed in your sorrow. Yeah. You could have went into a deep, dark depression. Like I know how much you love longboarding. Yeah. Like all the time. All the time, which is cool. What what day was that? I think we were at Callan's place, and we're like, oh, where you at? No, no, no. We're we're waiting for the Uber, and like you're trying to get oh, like yeah, a, yeah, a ride. Yeah. I'm like, bro, we gotta go. Yeah. But you know, but that's neither here or there. Yeah. I think I think at the end of the day, it was like you taking that time to be authentic and transparent with yourself in your most vulnerable time. Yeah. You know, that's like a tough spot to be in. It's like in the heart of the summertime as well too. Like right in the middle when everything is going on. Granted, it's still COVID. So everything is still restricted. Actually, that was the beginning of the uh, uh, reopening process. So oh, so right there. when everything's reopening, you couldn't do reopening. you couldn't do a damn thing. Sitting there watching Instagram and Snapchat, and just everybody's outside having a great time, and I'm inside, like barely able to uh, stay up for a few hours. So I got you. So, so in the words of Ice Cube, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I agree. All right. Next talking point. So we're gonna talk about some funny um, stories. <laughs> What uh? Um, like we just had a conversation about it. I mean, time out here. First off, we roast each other all the time. I agree. Non-stop on a consistent basis. I agree. That probably will never stop. I agree. Be eight, nine years old. I mean, like it's like a family thing. I mean, if we're if your true friend or family or if your friends are your family, it's like they don't say hi. They don't say what's up. They don't say have a good day. Like, Literally, uh, the first thing they see is they they, they like, go in and it's like. I can't say, can I say what I want to say? Say it. I don't think we've ever said, yo, like, yo, hey, how you doing today? I think somebody would call somebody some form of, like, uh, a bitch or, like, a hoe or some shit. Like, never have I ever had, like, a just, like, how you doing, Care? How's your day today? It's like, that's not the thing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow. Like, I still, I still remember one time um, I came back home to visit to Milwaukee, and I had all those yellow New Balances. <laughs> And I remember, you were AJ. AJ's like, oh, I see you with your young thug shoes on. <laughs> I was like, damn, you said that I haven't worn those shoes since. But it's like the constant flame. Every time you see Connor, you call him Plumley, oh, yeah. or you call him like a random white dude that he probably doesn't even look like. I mean, it's, it's, it's family, though. I mean, it's it's family. It's family, you know. Yeah. But we have that relationship. And lo, like, lo and behold, if Lachelle sees you, like, Lachelle is going to go in on you, like, nonstop. stop If Lachelle shows up on time, I mean, I get that. You know, she ain't never showing She's up on time. She's never showing up on time. Like, she will never show up on time. You have to like, schedule around her showing up on time. You got to say, like, if your party starts at 3 p.m., you got to say it's starting at 12 for Lachelle to get there on time. Maybe. She's still not going to be on time. I mean, that's a maybe. Yeah. 
and that's a maybe. But now, the reason I say that Kier is one of the smartest individuals that I know is because he's an IT wizard. wizard you I know, sometimes. Sometimes he's an IT wizard, but he still has that knowledge. So, Kier, let's talk about you know your your, your journey into IT and what inspired you to go into that you know that field. I know a few weeks ago I talked with Marcus and Bishop who were like more like a you know they they're just not getting their feet yeah. wet. You've been doing it for a while. For a while. Yeah, and I would say like on this that podcast and I was definitely um there's a lot of tidbits in there where I was like, man, like I could definitely like expand on that a lot. Um I would say like working in IT, I mean um, I have a BBA in IT mm-hmm. in security. Um, but even before that, like it's just something I've always done growing up. Um, I think I took about my first computer in second grade, actually, to play TikTok wow. or something. Wow. Um, and then from there, I mean, I know the, I remember the specs of the first four computers I've owned, and then um, just became like a, something I did on the side. But it actually is my career. Too. It was just like a, it was just like an interest that you just had. I would say it's a, <clears throat> it's a way of life at this point now because it's just interwoven into the things I do on a day-to-day basis. Did anybody pull, like, like push you towards that type of field or it just developed out, like, out of natural curiosity? And my dad works in IT. Gotcha. Um, okay. So I'm growing up. So you have some of that representation. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that, that, like, uh, watching your, I guess, father do something like that, um, i say at birth. I mean, it kind of just gets imprinted in. Who it makes are. sense, yeah. Um, but to an extent, just it's always been there. Uh, so I guess the like story of how I came to where I am now. Um, so graduated with the BBA, our BBA in IT and mm-hmm. security. Uh, worked for various entities over the past few years. Um, a couple of places in academia, government contractors, uh, health departments, nonprofits, things of that nature. Um, wide variety of different roles, administration, different OSs, Mac and Windows kind of playing with Linux as well. Uh, decent background in networking now. Um, no decent amount of languages sometimes. I'm gonna say sometimes because if I can't do it without question, mm-hmm. I won't say that I can do it. Fair point. Um, not because I can't do it. It's just the level of- It's a sort of standard you have for yourself. Standard, yeah. So if I can't do something wholeheartedly, I can't say I, I can do it or not. Okay. But uh, I'm actually in school right now at University of Wisconsin-Madison in the School of Engineering for a degree in data analytics. Uh, fun is a, a fun topic, very difficult, kind of, you know, stretching myself to grow to okay. myself in a different way. Uh, but I would say, uh, like, kind of going, basing things off of the previous podcast with Marcus and uh, Bishop, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those topics we can kind of expand upon is just, like, being a black man in that space. Okay. Uh, it's very difficult. Um, I think they were kind of speaking from just getting your feet into the industry as a whole, but it's something that is actually, like... As you grow, those topics and uh, issues expand mm-hmm. and or um, become more prevalent as you reach the higher levels okay. of the organizations that you're in. I mean, you might see an organization that all the diversity is at the bottom of the uh, structure. And when you, you go higher up, you honestly are going to see just a lot of white and Asian um, IT professionals. Mm-hmm. That just is how it is. You have to navigate that space. You have to be comfortable navigating that space. Um, what, is, what are some challenges that you experience navigating that space? It's always, so since I'm young, so I'm I'm like 28, mm-hmm. uh, it's always that like, how, how did you get here? Do you deserve to be here, to be honest with you? Like, do you know what you're talking about? That's something you're always going to get. Okay. Like, that's based on your age, that's based on your ethnicity, that's just based on like who you are as a person. Uh, you learn to kind of, I had to learn the hard way of like kind of, I wouldn't say biting your tongue, but 
recognizing that like you're doing something that's extremely difficult and you have to prove yourself to an extent, but you also, there's limits to that. You don't have to tolerate everything, but you do have to just be aware of what you're going to, which, what you're going into. Mm-hmm. Um, having that base, I'd say like having the solid team, the framework that, uh, of being a black, just being a black man in those kind of spaces, you want to have a space where you can just be yourself and to go along with being in those spaces. Yeah. You need somewhere to rest your head so you can come into the, to the office, to the organization, to the entity um, with a clear mind. If you don't have that space, you're going to struggle. So having those outlets. Basically. Um, it's very, it, you need that balance. I've been in situations where I didn't have that balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in situations where I've had more than I needed to be successful. Okay. Um, it's definitely something that exists. It's definitely a huge problem in, in the tech space as a whole. Um, there are various avenues and um, things they're doing to try to address those. Uh, it, it is an educational gap. It is a informational gap to an extent of just the knowledge that you need, the knowledge that you have, and who has access to it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is based around race. Um, a lot of times it's based around race. So you kind of have to know how to exist in that gap. You're going to exist in the middle of that. Well, how did you learn how to exist in that space? Dark way. Um, so you had to mess up a couple of times, yeah, say the wrong thing from space gotta, to space? Yeah, me personally, I got to hit my head a couple of times. I got to honestly cause a lot of issues to fix them. Um, you you kind of look at it as like everything's a building block. You need to learn how to build, mm-hmm. you need to learn how to destroy. You need to learn how to kind of navigate things in a way that, how can I say this in the right way? Pick your battles. Okay. Recognize what hills you need to. You're willing to die on. Recognize the hills you're willing to die on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, some some are worth it. Some are not. Okay. Depends on the context. Okay. If, okay. Question. So if you can go back to like 21, 22, 23 year old Kier, who's just now you know working within the field, what type of advice would you give yourself? Uh, go harder earlier. Uh, if I went as hard as I did at 21 as I did at 23, I'd be in an entirely different situation, just likewise. Mm-hmm. Um, if I held that consistently, it's just with age. Um, the way the industry works is by 35, you're kind of, you're not on the uh, upward trend of just like, 35, you're on a downward trend. Like you're basically getting into the point where like, you have a space, that's what you're in. Are you referring to IT? Yeah, in IT. You, you're, you have a space that you're in, you're probably an expert over the 20 time, like learning something new, just you're not going to be able to catch on as fast as someone. So, so, so it caps quickly. It, it's like a cap around 35. But from like 20 to 35, like you should be able to put your foot on the gas with just the knowledge and everything that you're uh, absorbing. Um, I would say getting started earlier. Man, I wish I did. I started at 23. I, I didn't go hard to 23. I can mm-hmm. tell you that for a fact. So if I would have started at 21, um, even with just an internship or two earlier, okay, entirely uh, different outlook. Gotcha. Yeah. What would uh, you? What? What? So, in terms of helping the the younger generation to get more exposure, what are? Do you know of any like different specific programs that they have? I think a lot of schools are uh, focusing on STEM now, STEM yeah. education, so science, uh, tech. Engineering, engineering mathematics, mathematics. Mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of it goes hand in hand it's really developing that interest like I think that we have to like really show those students that like what you can do with that information like how can I describe this in a way there's so many different ways you can take that information from a young age 
and build whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You can create apps for analytical uh, summaries of just various sports or like, uh, Jesus, there's so many different ways you can do something. What, okay, what about, how do we go about establishing the interest for some of those students who maybe just don't have the access or they don't understand that this is a specific field that they can go into. You need to see someone who looks like you doing it first, to be mm -hmm. honest. I think that's... We say representation. Representation is paramount. Mm -hmm. Par like, to be honest with you, like, going to these schools that were primarily back, black and not really having that many black teachers, I mean, they were, they were there, but, like, having someone in the field that you want to go into, mm -hmm. I would say that's groundbreaking. Um, I didn't really, other than my father, I didn't really have too many black professionals in my field that I could go to directly um, till I was maybe in my early 20s mm -hmm. um, and even to this day there is no black reputation in my school there's wow. really no black reputation in my um, master's program so I think it's that crazy it is crazy <laughs> and like looking at the program I'm like so I need an advisor for mm -hmm. this and it's like who looks like me Find a mentor, so it's, it's a little tough. So, how do you sustain that? Uh, having that space, having that, um, that, gotcha. that foundation. I mean, I do a lot of things. You kind of have to go outside of your industry to be honest with you. That's fair. Yeah, you do. You have to find things that relate into it. That's very true. Um, build those connections, build those bridges. Um, it's very difficult, but I think all of that needs to be put in place for the next generation after us. That's where we need to focus is putting in that framework for not myself, because I mean, I expect to go into situations where I'm going to have to prove myself as a black man in IT space. I don't want the person coming after me to have to do the same thing. Gotcha. So that's kind of my mentality on how you have to navigate that space is build for the person behind you um, and always be prepared to hand, or expect to run into obstacles. All right. Well, we appreciate that advice and we appreciate, you know, your brilliance and your intelligence and your intellect when it comes to the IT field specifically. You gave me that look because you already know where I'm about to go next. Mm -hmm. So contrary to that as well, Kier. The dumb shit. I, yes, let, let's, let's get into some of the, the PG dumb shit that won't get you into too much trouble. So let's, okay, when I, 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 like I always say, I call you the smartest and the dumbest yeah. person. Yeah. What is, why would you say is one of the reasons why I call you the dumbest person? Because I overthink everything, to be honest with you. Um, to okay. the point where a situation would be just like, how did you even come up with that idea? It's like, I probably thought of the out. Like outlook of the situation, inputs the outputs, and I drew a conclusion based on just a situation where it was like, how did how did this happen? I, like it's like I expect things to go exactly how you plan it, mm -hmm. and then I don't account for the that. That kind of sounds like anxiety, so I don't want to like, knock you for that. I, that that comes with the uh, introspective mm -hmm. uh, uh, taking the time to be really introspective and checking mm -hmm. myself. So I mean, that, that goes kind of goes hand in hand. I think I'm doing better now. I hope I'm doing better now. But I would say in the past, I have a lot of examples of not doing that well. But. So when we were out yesterday, what did we celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about that. I mean, okay, okay, okay. okay. Out here. <laughs> um, okay, so we won't, we won't, we won't. I, I, can, I guess we can go over that, like service level, service level. I have a running joke of I have two budgets. I have my alcohol budget mm -hmm. and I have my ticket budget. <laughs> come from the same place <laughs> and my alcohol budget was zero like my ticket budget was insane okay we'll keep but it okay the good news is i paid off all of my tickets so my there alcohol you go. budget is now insane see progress that's so, not progress because that's not a good thing 
Well, it is progress based on the amount you paid off, which we're not going to get into. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that, but um, yeah, ooh, that's a conversation for another day, but we can't put that one on we wax. We can't put that over there. That's, we're not going to put that on wax. What's some other situations? Um, the bed one. <laughs> 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 I think about that, like it got worse. When we no, no, no. About it. Ex- explain the bad situation. All right, all right. You have to explain the bad situation. So I moved in, uh, has Cam been on here yet? Not yet. Not yet. He's so, coming on soon. Coming on soon. So I moved in with uh, one of our friends, his name's Cameron. Uh, I want to say about 2000, late 2018, 2019. <laughs> At this point in time, you know, I had just moved to the greater DC area. Um, I was trying to find, you know, furniture for my apartment. And someone gave me a mattress. And I'm like, okay, cool. I need a bed for it. So I was like, you know, I don't really, you know, think I'm going to like, I don't, I didn't know if I was going to stay in DC. So I'm like, I can just go find something online, cool, whatever. So I went to let go and find a bed frame. And I was like, okay, cool, like, you know, decent, I got this. And uh, so the guy was actually selling the entire bed with the mattress to go with the frame, and I said I don't need it because I already had a bed frame. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so I go there and buy it, and it turns out my mattress is too big for the bed because it was like a specially built bed frame. And I'm like, okay, cool, you know, I can make this work. I can just, you know, mm-hmm. buy some wood to uh, <laughs> fucking put this bed together and, you know, make this Buy bed. some wood, you don't even have that skill set. I don't even have the skill set. You've never done it before. Never done it before whatsoever. So I bought a slab of wood <laughs> to put this bed together. Mind you, I also didn't have to do this. I could have just took the mattress with, from the guy as well. So it's like everything. On this bed and, uh, can't cut wood, so I have to get somebody to do that. I think I went through some contractor do cam or something. And uh, basically what happened is I fucked everything up. You didn't even measure the mattress. They didn't, they didn't measure the mattress, didn't measure the wood. Did you just give them like a, you gave the contractor like a random, like some random dimensions? I straight up walked up to the wood with a pen. It's <laughs> <laughs> said, cut this. And I was like, yo, so like, can you just cut this for me? And uh, they didn't. You know, got the wood planks. It worked for about a couple of weeks. And then the wood planks broke. And then I just had a like, sunken mattress into the bed frame that I could have just took the mattress for and lived on that for a while. It was a great time. Oh, that was so fun. I remember walking into your apartment and, and you just see like, the wood hanging out. I'm like, what is this? And, and, and the, bed, the mattress is actually sunk into the frame because it's like sitting on top of the wood and then the wood broke. So You got like, so used to it. I didn't give a fuck at that point in time, to be honest with you. I mean, that was context of that um i was actually going back to school at that point in time so mm-hmm. i was going to end up moving soon so i didn't care but it's more like i truly didn't care um that's a pg story though that's like it's just me being dumb you got some other stories i'm not really sure if, if you want i'm not i mean i'm not sure if you want to i can't think of any right now though i can put i can think of some you, you mean if, if you want to edit it out you can tell me all right we can, we we can edit it out. out from this point on this might be edited from here on out. Everything else has been kind of uh, freehand. Okay. There might be portions that we might skip in. You might hear some like excerpts of just like things that got cut, shit like that. So. All right. Well, this one may get cut. And this one may get edited out. Okay. <laughs> well, you're in college, looking the faces of random white women. Oh, that show was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that show was. I forgot about that face. All right. So that's not as wild as it sounds. So here's what happened. Get some context. We here's need it. Context. We need it. <laughs> so I had a wonderful phase, like right after college, where I went to a bar one time and a girl just walked up to me and looked my face. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Where was this at? This was in Milwaukee. I think it was at Ugly's at the time or something. Ugly's. I've been there so, so long. Uh, yeah, it, was, it didn't even exist anymore. 
um, Carol looks my face though, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, if I like something, I'll lick it. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, if I like something, I'll lick it. And I'm like, that's actually a really good idea. Oh, God. So what I did was, everywhere we went, I would talk to people like, yo, so if a guy came up to you and your face, what'd you do? And I kept getting the response. I mean, if he's attractive, I'd be okay with it. But other people were like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with this man? I still so, ask that question till so, this day. So what happened is, I ended up looking at people's faces. I Not people, white women. White women. Faces. White women. Yeah. White women. Now, here's the fun part about White that. women. I never had a bad time with that. And they've always allowed you. Yeah, always allowed me. Everything's done. He's not a predator. Not no. anything like it's anything. Yeah, no, it's, no. It sounds like innocent fun. Like he did, he did it all the time. Did it all the time. It was a good. It was a good couple months. I feel like every time I went out with you, you know, obviously you were single, but you would just not not to make you sound like misogynistic or like a womanizer. <laughs> I'm <was> here. <laughs> oh, okay. That's where I care. <laughs> I still remember what's that. Um, it was, was it like 2016, 2017 when uh, we all had the GNH t-shirts? Yeah. Was that uh, Brady Street? I think so. When we, yeah, that was Brady Street. Did we go to... Where did did we, we walk down Brady Street that time? We walked, because remember they got, the, uh, they got a hotel. Um, it was at... Was it... Was it uh, the one time I... I can't think of the hotel. Is that the bartender one? I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the bar explain the bartender one. I don't think it's the bartender one. When y'all kept telling me to stop hitting on bartenders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but see, to be honest with you, Kira, that could have been any time. That could have been any time. They don't have to be like Brady Street, but that could have been any time. They only want tips though. Hmm? They only want tips. <laughs> Did you give them tips? Okay. Alright, we can check. <laughs> we can we can uh <laughs> Let's go I can't to. Explain what happened in these situations. Okay, fair point. We don't want to get. We don't want to get you in any um, trouble. Trouble. We don't want to get you in any trouble. Yeah. Explain to the people, the world, me. Why are you such a bad Parker? I can't parallel park and never learn how. Well, no. Oh no. Oh no. I'm not even talking about parallel park. parking. Standard parking. Regular parking. <laughs> oh, I wish I had images I can upload. Uh, if yeah. I oh, if I did this on YouTube, I would upload so many images. I think I go by the. Uh, we're gonna go back to Kanye West. Uh, <laughs> the double parking, <laughs> double parking line. How did that go again? What you uh, mean? He said it a while ago. I think it was like college dropout or labor registration or something back there. He. Um, what did he say? Fuck. It's something about double parking. I think that's my mantra for like just how I park. To be honest with you. Um, your mindset is as long as you're in the lines. As long as I'm in the lines, if the driver can get out, because <laughs> I don't care about the passenger, but the driver, if they can get out, I mean, that'd be fine. Anybody in the passenger seat, you know, I mean, get out the driver's side. The angles of your cars. Yeah. It's are, also a two-door coupe, so it's like not big. I mean, I have a two-door coupe as well. Your car is big as hell, though. But still, I mean, I still know how to park like a sane human being. Mm. You part like you just don't give a damn. I really don't give a damn. You, which is the sad part because you really don't. I really don't. Oh, one, oh, okay. This is a story that how we should have probably talked about this first. Okay. So in college, I was an RA. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So do you want to explain the story in so, terms of why I, you know, I'll let you, I'll, you I'll just take it from here because you already so know where this is going. I already know where this is going. You already so, know where this is I've going. I've only been written up in college once. <laughs> and it just happened to be by Darian. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, 
the, in, in my you to provide context, I never wanted to write up anybody. Yeah. Ever. He absolutely wrapped me up too. Ever. That was a wild night. Oh, man. That you want to explain what you were doing? That broke up our relationship. Explain what happened. Uh, I got wasted one night and uh, went to see the person I was talking to at the time. <laughs> and I passed out in their apartment. And uh, they kicked me out. And, well, they kicked me out because somebody did something. I had nothing to do with it. I was just asleep. I don't know what happened. Okay. But uh, they shouldn't have woken me up. I remember that. And then we got into an argument. And it ended with me kind of... I mean, how PG is this? It's not like, like wild. It's just like... Go ahead. Say it. I mean, I kind of like just puked. Like, mm-hmm. in, in upper... And not the best places. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just pissed everybody off more. So, basically, Darren walks up to this room. Didn't know it was me. Uh, We're just doing our rounds, like normally. And uh, there's this girl just yelling and screaming. And I'm like, half drunk still. And Darren walks up and he's like, here, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I'm so fucked up right now. You were passed out, passed out, out, but you were up of conscious and functioning. Yeah, at that point I was up. So... uh, Basically, he had to write me up. I would have got you a pass if I went with my co. Not my co, but the person I was doing rounds with because she was spazzing out too. Like, yeah. okay, because we were mad because back then we were the ones who had to like clean up the throw up. Yeah. You know, especially if it was in the hallway, you had to vote ban it, put the plastic yeah, bag up on I top of it. Was, I was software at the point in time. So it was a bad time. And y'all, y'all was loud as hell. Loud as hell. Loud as hell. Didn't care. But at the same time, um, it was a learning experience. You know. I, I, I take great joy and great pleasure that I'm the only one who wrote you up. That's very true. Um, I think you just posted the RA sign that I have in my car. You still, and, okay, the RA sign that you stole. Yeah, the one I stole. Yeah. What well, year did you steal that RA sign? Probably the same year, to be honest with you. Like 2011? That'd be 2011, yeah. It may have been even afterwards, who knows? It's 2020, people. And it's he still, car. he has that car in the back on, like, it's like a display. It's a it's the RA sign for someone's dorm. It wasn't Darian's. I wish it was now. <laughs> um, but it's the same sign, and it's still in my back seat. It's like in my back window. So if you go to my car, no, it's like it's a it's like a it's, it's a um a badge of honor for you. It is. I might put your name inside of the nameplate. It's like those there. people who have like those really weird like car stickers. Yeah. Like that's like that's it for you. You can put my name on there. I take great pride and great joy in it because still to this day. I don't regret doing it. Yeah. Because you had it coming. I mean, it's okay. I learned from the experience. I never got written up again. Um, and I started hanging out with different groups of people. So, I mean, well, I'm happy you learned and you matured from yeah, that I, standpoint. I think that, yeah, it's great. That you learned and matured. It goes with the running thing. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I wrecked myself that day. Yeah, you wrecked, you wrecked a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Hell, I had to go, man, I just had to clean that shit up. Yeah, that, that was a good time. They were pissed. I bet I was pissed. I was pissed. It was late too. It was like, like it was past twelve. It, it was, was like one 12. of those, it, it was either like a Thursday or a weekend because we do like those those past midnight rounds. Yeah. So it had to be like a, either a Thursday or um, a weekend. Yeah. You got too lit. Yeah. It's good times. But you developed into you know a very pristine young man. And, and people, some people opinion though. So yeah. And some people, I mean, I think you are. I think Granted, so. I'm probably biased. I've known you for a while. Yeah. Also, <laughs> now nah, I'm not gonna talk about hooping. You're not. You're not. You can shoot. You just can't dribble. Yeah, I can't dribble. 
I mean, I have a broken ankle right now, so. Well, I look, I look, let's let's not let's not use a broken ankle because. Used. I suck before that. You know I mean, like you you couldn't dribble before when you were perfectly functioning fine. Yeah. You can shoot though. But I've actually like taken the time out to um, kind of improve my game to an extent before I got hit by a freaking car. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Things might be different now. I mean, we'll see after you know recovery. Okay. Uh, I guess can I get the next talking point? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say uh, growing up in Wisconsin and leaving and having experience mm. of just being a person in other states. Mm. Uh, how would you say that has made you grow as a person? So one thing specifically, I think, to like provide some context in, in terms of why I like moved out of Wisconsin. So there's a couple of different opportunities. Because ironically, I got into like the uh, counseling psychology graduate program at Whitewater after I graduated. And then I also got into like, the higher education and administration program at Texas A&M. And then also I was like offered an opportunity to work at um, Census. So like, I got their management trainee program like after I graduated. So those three things were on the table. So I had to kind of like, figure out and determine, okay, what do I want the most at this point in my life? And I think during that stage, I kind of, the way I rationalized everything was Super simple. I said, right now, at this point in my life, if I don't do something that scares me, I'm going to be complacent. And the thing that scared me the most was to leave my family in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and to move to a place where I really don't know anybody, which is College Station, Texas. So I think taking that jump and then taking that leap provided a whole nother level of confidence because I always knew you know, that I was pretty self-sufficient and independent. But that reaffirmed it, but also, you know, it was scary. I was extremely scary. I remember driving down with my mom and my grandparents, you know, they trailed us. And like the moment that they left, I was looking at myself in the mirror like, damn, did I make the right decision? So I think that level of fear provides you a level of um, opportunity to actually challenge yourself and get to know who you really are. And, you know, fortunately for me, you know, my program was really, you know, it was a pretty good program. I met, you know, um, some great people, built some great relationships down there. And I think that was like a saving grace, but it also gave you another level of confidence because it made you realize like, you know what? I can live away from my family. I can go to a completely different environment and I can still, you know, thrive. Not just exist, but I can still thrive, build relationships. It makes you a lot more intentional with the way you move and how you interact. So I just think like that opportunity in itself just gave me a lot more confidence and it made me a lot more curious. Like, you know, let me explore some different things that I've never, that I never would explore. And I know that I want to, you know, see different things. I've always been a pretty adventurous person, but I just think taking that initial jump at that stage in my life right there was extremely um, profound in terms of like my perspective and my mentality then, because from that moment, you know, I moved from College Station to Dallas, Dallas to Waco, Waco to like DC. So that fear wasn't there because, you know, I've done it before, I've done it a few times. So I know, I know, I know what I need to do to be successful personally, as well as, you know, professionally. So it provided a whole another level of confidence and it made me recognize too that things are gonna be okay. It was some challenges because my family, obviously, like 95% of my family is still in Milwaukee. I think the biggest hurdle for me was getting over the fact that I might not be able to see my nephews grow up like in person. But fortunately with like social media and technology, I can still have those conversations. I can still have that rapport with my family. So I talk to them all the time. So it's not like 
do I miss him? Of course I miss him. But it's also not one of those things where I feel like, oh, it's impossible. I'm missing out on so much because the world is so virtual and we're so interconnected. So outside of that, man, it's been lovely. I've learned so much more about myself, put myself in some challenging situations, but it made you recognize that, okay, I'm built for this and I can do it. It's just that initial jump and that initial fear because especially when you grew up in a city like Milwaukee and you're around people who are in the same environment, you know, it gets cyclical really quickly. Yeah. Like the same routine. Some folks have never left the block. Some folks have never left the state. And they've never seen different, you know, avenues or ways of life. And I think that is what exposed me the most and that provided a different level of inspiration to continue to grow and move forward. So I knew at that point in my life, it was like a seminal moment. Like, all right, these three different opportunities. Two of these opportunities are still like in Wisconsin. One of them is not. And I took the one that wasn't in Wisconsin. So, and I think, because I think at some point I probably still will go back to school, potentially for counseling psychology or get a PhD like in higher ed or a PhD in like counseling psychology. But that's another conversation. But that in itself was one of those components that I knew was extremely foundational and pivotal at that moment in my life. I agree. I think going along the same lines for me, it was kind of the same thing where like after Whitewater, I uh, had the opportunity to study at the University of Santa Madison. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked there um, on their IT tech support team. Mm -hmm. um, but during my time there, I was kind of like debating on, do I stay here for college or do I leave and go see something else? Um, at that point, like I'd only lived in Wisconsin for the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. Uh, I mean, at that, I moved to Madison, but I'm still in the same state. Mm -hmm. So like, the groups are the same. Culture might be a little bit different, but the groups and like just the way of life is kind of similar. Um, I didn't have too much experience with just being out of place or pushing myself to the limit or really experiencing like a culture shock. Mm -hmm. uh, so I chose to leave just based on the fact that I felt like I needed to. Mm -hmm. uh, just to expand myself and to grow. Uh, it actually placed me in Maryland first. Um, I have family here, so okay. uh, my dad's side of my family is in this area, in ATL, and my mom's side of my family is in Milwaukee primarily. Um, but really, going outside of your comfort zone, one hundred percent, and the ability to grow outside of your comfort zone is something that a lot of people don't get to experience. And like you said, being from Wisconsin, I mean, I know people who've never really have ever taken a flight on an airplane before. Mm, it's the same here. Same I know here. Who have never been off the block. Um, all of that, it really. It like limits what you can and can't do. It limits your opportunities, limits your ability to really grow and or your perspective on what you can or can't do. It's a ceiling, it's a glass ceiling mm -hmm. um, that you can break. You just need the perspective to know yeah, it's, what you can do. It's one of those things where, like, yeah, the, the people fear the unknown so much and then you recognize the unknown really with nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear there. You, know, you, you just got to get on the other side of that. I think Will Smith said something like, you know, the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And I think if you get over that, that concept or you can understand that concept, then you'll be a lot more confident in pursuing whatever you want to pursue. So we're wrapping up. Time is ending. So before we leave and before we transition, I just want to ask Kier, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Packers, of course. I mean, Aaron Rodgers starts of the season is 
you know, four touchdowns, amazing. Um, Greatest quarterback of all time. Easily. Um, Tom Brady's doing terrible this season. He got six rings because he's coached <laughs> by Bill Belichick. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. So his uh, competition is, you know, <clears throat> I mean, you know, I mean, you got Lamar. Um, I'm right with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's actually decent. I think he might. We, we got Pat Mahomes, too. Pat Mahomes is a different beast. Yeah, but Lamar is running like Michael Vick numbers. And but he's yeah, true, but Patrick Mahomes, man. Yeah, he's nuts. Like, after seeing the Patrick like, Mahomes man. last mm-hmm. year when he put up 50, after being down 20, 30, uh, that's nuts. So, he, I mean, he's, he's a great, okay. But, in full seriousness, so, Kier, how can people reach you if they want to connect with you or if they want to interface? Uh, so, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's your grandfather, G-R-A-M father. Um, social media, uh, honestly, hit me on Instagram. Hit me on Instagram, okay. Hit me on Instagram. My Facebook is mainly used for reposting articles right now, mm. uh, and we'll just go from there. I'm kind of the kind of person like you expand uh, as you go. Um, so when you start, or when we first meet, like I kind of expand from there. So start with Instagram, start a conversation, or we'll keep things running from there. So keep things running from there. Meet him on IG. However, gonna end this podcast. With a key air statement. What is this? There's beautiful people here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a go-to statement anytime you enter a room. There's beautiful people here. Anytime you enter a room. All right. Well, that. well, thank you all. I appreciate, I appreciate you all for taking out the time to listen to this podcast. Starting next week, we're going to bring the segment back of... Worst hip-hop lines. So I'm taking a break from that, you know. But it'll be back soon. So thank you all. Make sure you are registered to vote. So thank God. If you believe in God, God bless you, excuse me. And if you don't, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you all. Get an absentee ballot as well. Now the time to do so. Get the absentee ballot. I'm not sure when the deadline is. It's coming up soon, though. It's coming up soon. So make sure you all go out there and vote. Thank you all. God bless.